Hello and welcome to the Harmony Deconstructed podcast. This is a podcast that explores how we can build and sustain an inspired harmonious life. My name is James Mwangombe. Welcome to today's episode. Today we'll be talking about self-knowledge. What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us, so said Ralph Waldo Emerson. By pursuing self-knowledge, we can begin to scratch the surface of that which lies within us. The Cambridge Dictionary defines self-knowledge as an understanding of yourself and your abilities. I think it is crucial to have self-knowledge for us to foster harmony in our lives. If we lack self-knowledge, we will operate mindlessly, being tossed about aimlessly by the circumstances we encounter or we end up groping around for clues as though we are in the dark of night. Part of self-knowledge is also being aware and content about things that are beyond our ability. David in the book of Psalms says uh, in one of the Psalms that such matters are too wonderful for me to look into. And there is also... I remember that, that prayer of serenity, which goes as follows. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I think the famous story of David and Goliath in the Bible illustrates uh, very well how useful, how powerful it is when we have self-knowledge. This war that broke out between the Philistines and the Israelites. They gathered at a place that had a valley to face each other. The Philistine army was on one hill and the Israelite army was on the other hill. They were separated by a valley which had a stream. The Philistines had a giant named Goliath in their ranks and he was many times bigger than any of the Philistines or the Israelites. And Goliath, one of those days when they were camped in battle, came forward and shouted profanities at the Israelite army. He was defiant. He told the Israelites to choose one man to come fight against him. And if the man defeated him, the Philistines would become their slaves. And if Goliath won, the Israelites would become slaves to the Philistines. Everyone in the ranks of Israel, everyone in King Saul's army was afraid of Goliath. They trembled in fear at the prospect of going to fight him. Goliath routinely came out to defy the army of Israel and mocked them for 40 days. No one came forward to fight him. And King Saul made an offer to anyone or any man who would go and fight Goliath that he would be given the king's daughter in marriage and his entire family would be exempt from taxation. Now David was a shepherd boy. His three oldest brothers had joined Saul's army and were camping out to fight the Philistines. His father Jesse tasked him to go to the camp and bring a word on how his brothers were faring on. The father gave him a basket of roasted grain, ten loaves of bread and ten cuts of cheese to give to his brother's captain. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the following morning to do what his father had directed. He arrived at the Israelite camp just as they were heading out to the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. David left his things 
the keeper of supplies and ran to greet his brothers. As he was talking to them, just catching up with them, knowing how they're doing, Goliath came out. And as usual, he started taunting the Israelite army. As soon as the Israelite army saw Goliath, they began to run away in fear. The men told David, Have you seen the giant? He comes out each day to defy and taunt Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters as a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David confirmed this statement with several soldiers who were standing nearby. They all confirmed that this was the reward for the man who would kill Goliath. David asked some more soldiers about this. Eventually, David's questioning was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. And David came before Saul, and he said to Saul, Don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go and fight him. Saul looked at David and he said, Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this giant Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David insisted on going to fight Goliath. He said, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Whenever a bear or lion attacked the flock and stole a lamb, I would go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turned to attack me, I would grab it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done it to both lions and bears, and I will do it to this Philistine too. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So, King Saul finally consented and said, All right, all right, all right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail or a metallic coat. David tried them on. He strapped the sword over the coat and took a step or two to see what it was like to wear these uh, kinds of things, since he had never worn something like it before. Uh, after trying it a bit, he turned around and told Saul, I can't go in these. I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took five smooth stones from a stream and put them in his shepherd bag. He was only armed with his shepherd's staff and a sling. He ran across the valley to go fight Goliath. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer and sneered in contempt at this boy coming towards him. He said, Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? He cast David. Then he yelled, Come over here! I will give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. David replied, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. 
As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit Goliath on the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. What a fantastic story. Among the factors that brought David victory that day, such as his faith in God Almighty, was self-knowledge. I believe self-knowledge really helped him on that day. He knew what he was capable of achieving and what would hinder him. He also knew who was backing him, the Lord of Heaven's armies. And for that reason, because he he had self-knowledge, he had the courage and foresight to be able to tell the king that, hey, you've given me this armor of yours, but I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to wear it. Can you imagine saying no to a king? He is experienced in war. He's fought many battles and won using that shield or using that armor of his, and he's offering it to you, and you have the foresight and courage to say, no, king, I will not wear this. You have offered it to me, yes, but I'm not used to this. I will go with whatever I have or how I've been used to operating. And that was David, and I think that self-knowledge really helped him on that day. This was courage in itself, if you look at it in another way. But it was clear for him because he had self-knowledge. Self-knowledge accompanied with other factors such as faith, boldness, and courage can enable us to fail giants we encounter in our work. There are a number of theories, methods, and categorizations that um, have been developed over the years to help us to know and understand ourselves. These are some of uh, theories and methods that can help us in the quest to know ourselves and also to build harmony and inspiration in our lives. The first one that uh, I'll talk about is the, the categorization of extrovert or introvert. People can broadly be categorized in these two ways. You're either one or the other. By way of description, an extrovert gets energized by being around other people. An introvert gets energized by being in contemplation on their own. Being away from people drains the energy of an extrovert, while being around people drains the energy of the introvert. And not to mean that um, extroverts want always to be around people, but that's where they, they, they get their energy from. And it doesn't mean that also introverts want always to be away from people, no. What it means is that that's just being away on their own in contemplation. That's how they replenish their energy and then they can get back to connecting with people again in a more energized way. The second categorization that um, has been done is... Uh, the four temperaments and there are scholars who have looked at this um, and if you want you can always uh, go and check and find out uh, more history and understanding about these four temperaments but generally these are what uh, we call sanguine choleric melancholy and phlegmatic the four temperaments this is a further breakdown of the aspects of being extroverted that is either sanguine or choleric or being introverted either melancholy or phlegmatic. Each individual is unique and has any combination of these four temperaments, with some being more dominant than others, which, as they say, composes someone's personality. 
The four temperaments have also been broken down further into 16 personality types. This has been done by the works of people such as uh, Carl Jung, Myers-Briggs, and David Cassie. And they are tools that have been developed following the theories by Carl Jung and, and David Cassie. Tools have been developed uh, uh, such as uh, Myers-Briggs and Cassie theories that aid people to figure out their personality types. And so using some of these theories about personalities, you can begin to you know, unravel and understand who you are and why you operate the way you do, why you think the way you think, why you view the world the way you view it, why you interact with people in a certain way and not in another. I think knowing one's personality type is a good way to start in the journey of self-knowledge. Having self-knowledge enhances our prospects of living an inspired, harmonious life. You will begin to understand why you behave the way you do, your strengths and your weaknesses. It will enable you to have understanding and empathy towards others because you know in some measure why they operate the way they do or why they carry themselves in the way they do. And so you'll be able to have empathy and understanding as you conduct your affairs, as you conduct your daily activities. And that way, it fosters you being able to have an inspired and a harmonious life. You'll understand that we are all different and we view things differently. However, fundamentally, you will see that you are unique and you are valuable once you have self-knowledge. The more we know ourselves and our nuances, our strengths, our weaknesses, and what we are about, the more inspired and harmonious our life we will live. And so I encourage you to think about your, your life. Look at yourself and see how much of yourself do you know? How much of your strengths do you know? How much of your weaknesses do you know? What are some of the things that you can do to be able to understand more about yourself, to know more about yourself? In that way, it will put you in a place where you can start building an inspired and harmonious life. And so in conclusion, I say that um, self-knowledge is crucial in order for us to live an inspired and harmonious life. Thank you for joining me for this episode. I'd like to request you to join me in the next episode where we'll be talking about goals and balance. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode. May you continue to live an inspired, harmonious life.